0: Alright, welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of Imani's Corner. Um, I'm not sure how many people noticed, but I did take a week off. I just had a lot to do, and the person I originally had set up to interview last week, and things just fell through, but that's life. Things happen, so I'm back. Um, I actually enjoyed my week off, because I did not have to wake up super early on a Saturday. So... um, there's that but today I am interviewing Kenny Brown this young man I don't even really want to talk about everything he does right now in the intro because it is just so phenomenal and like inspiring to me so I'm just gonna jump right into the interview welcome to Imani's Corner how are you this morning?
1: I'm good, Missy Imani. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you. No, I'm really so appreciative. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am doing well. I've had a long week, but it's the <laughs> weekend. You know, I um, got to hang out with some of my sorority sisters last night. So it was just real, like, refreshing and, like, recharging. So,
1: okay. What sorority, if you don't mind me asking?
0: I actually am a recent uh, member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated.
1: Okay. Zeta's in the house. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It it was, it's a, I have been mm. waiting to say that. <laughs>
1: what, what's, what's your line number?
0: I am actually a solo.
1: Solo. Oh, solo. You're solid.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yes. <laughs>
1: I don't know if you know, but I'm a member of Alpha Phi Alpha.
0: Ah, okay. 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 What's your line number?
1: My line number is six.
0: Okay. Okay. Where? So I know where you went to school, but this is a perfect segue. <laughs> so perfect segue. Where did you cross?
1: So I crossed into the Beta Iota chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. I went to the great Winston-Salem State University, which is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. There
0: you go. So my dad's actually from North Carolina, and he went to North Carolina Central. Okay. And I'm actually hoping to go there for law school. So.
1: Oh, yeah, Central. That's a great law school.
0: Yeah, just keeping it all in the family. Yeah. I actually went to Hampton. So, you know, HBCU love in the house right now. Definitely
1: HBCU love.
0: Yes. So I'm literally just so excited about... I don't know if I want to call it a project, this initiative, but just like what you work on is literally so amazing to me. Um, just tell me a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are now.
1: Uh, in, in terms of what, though, like you know, in
0: terms of okay, what made you start this company?
1: Let me start this company. Okay, so. Um, and I'm from Washington, DC. Just a little quick background on myself. I love DC. That's a great I believe DC is the greatest city in the United States, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> but um yeah, so I'm from Washington DC. Like I said, I went to Winston Salem State for undergrad. Um, I played football for three years. My last year I didn't quite I didn't play football. I chose not to play because I did student government which I thought would be more instrumental to my life and, like, help my matriculation a little more. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I left the field for the suit. <laughs> and uh, well, I, just tell, I just tell everybody I got suited up in a different way. Yeah. And, um, you know, then I went to FIU for my master's out in Miami. Okay. Um, And then I would say going into my second semester at FIU, because my, my master's program was two years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So going into my second semester, I made, like, a big lifetime transition. Um, I was at Saks, cause you know, you know DC, yeah. you know the whole DC culture. Like we love to get fly, right? You know, we love to dress different than people. You know, just you know wear a lot of brands, whatever. Yeah. So I was at Saks Fifth Avenue, and I really couldn't fit anything in there. Like a lot of things in the store, and I was blaming on the material. I was giving a whole bunch of excuses, but deep down, I know I just you know, though I played football and it was okay to be big. You know, I played offensive line; it was okay to be big. Yeah. I never transitioned from even though I trans positioned in life post football i didn't transition my mind and body all the way mainly my body post football right and i didn't condition my mind to not eat the football way right um so like you know january 2017 towards the back end of january i had a conversation with a good friend of mine who was really like health conscious and you know mm-hmm. really studied eating and things like that and we had a good conversation and developed a A plan for myself and February 1st, we got it rolling. So I've really dedicated myself from February 2017 to like strongly to like September 2017. Okay. But from February 2017 to like August 7, 2017, I lost 120 pounds. So I I essentially did it in like six months.
0: That is awesome. Congratulations.
1: I appreciate you.
0: Yes, that's so dope.
1: But yeah, like I've really dedicated myself um, you know, from April to July. So from like ninety days straight, I was actually a raw foodist. Which means like I didn't eat anything cooked. Like if it didn't come naturally from you know, from the earth, I didn't eat it. I ate it. I ate things for ninety days straight in ninety days straight in its most natural form.
0: Interesting. So I was actually talking to my sisters last night about being raw vegan because 'cause I'm pescatarian. I I'm actually
2: pescatarian.
0: yeah, and I'm dairy free as well. And so okay they were asking me like, Oh, how does that work? I'm like, you know, it's actually not that bad. Like once you, your body gets used to it, it's really not that big of an issue. And I said, I'm thinking about being a raw vegan for like 30 days. And I said, it's hard though, because you know, I eat a lot of vegan products, but they're processed vegan products. And Mm -hmm. while I don't eat them every day, I still like get that sodium, that, trans fat you know all that stuff that sounds a little bit better because it's in a vegan product but like if you eat too many of them it's still going to have that negative effect for so sure. that's really dope that you did that how did you find it was really difficult in the beginning or
1: no and it wasn't it wasn't difficult but I won't say it's not difficult because okay. for me I had a my situation was a little intricate because for one I was in Miami which is all which is really a health place. so I was in mm-hmm. Miami when I started it so my first 20 days from April 10th to, like, April 30th if I was in Miami. Right. And Miami is still, you know, pretty health-conscious, so it was a lot of, like, you know, raw spots.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But then for the for my next 60 days, I was in New York. I spent the whole summer in New York for an that- internship at Columbia. And, you know, New York is, like, you know, so many people in New York, so they have to have a lot of different options. Yes. Um, you know, I had a market right by my house, and, um, you know, I got, like, it was raw, it was fresh veggies and fruit every day. Right. So I would go get a salad every day and not get bored with it. Yeah. So, it, you know, it wasn't as hard for me mm-hmm. as it would be for somebody that might live in you know North Dakota or right you know just a place where like the culture is heavy fat fat and I don't even know North Dakota's food culture, but I'm just saying't yeah. sound like they <laughs> yeah. don't sound like they have you know, but um, I know different spots and it's you know it, that it's easier to do than others, but I think that the 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 hardest part I would say is just the cutting off of different you you the cutting off of different habits—that's the mm-hmm. hardest part. It's not about eating the food; it's the habits of you know you and your friends out at nine o'clock at night, nine thirty at night, or you are leaving the club. Because I was still doing everything I was I, I originally did prior to like, so I go to the club and leave the club at two o'clock in the morning, or go to a bar and leave at like one o'clock in the morning. Right. You know, typically the culture is you know you leave, you might have a drink or two mm-hmm. with your friend, and you go get some food afterward. That's where the hardest part came. That's where the discipline I had to build discipline in that aspect because, you know, you ain't what salad you really buying at one o'clock in the morning or right. two o'clock in the morning. So you know, I have a friend, my good friend Ed, He was all he always jokes with me because one time you know he came to town and him and I went to a bar together and you know he had wings, French fries. It looked amazing, mm-hmm. and I had a Caesar salad.
2: <laughs> like, like, I mean, yeah. you, know,
1: you know, the culture we come from that's like what are you doing right but that's how focused i was like we were at a bar and i had a caesar salad at 1 30 in the morning
0: i mean but that's commitment and that's what yeah. helped you to really lose all that weight so
1: mm-hmm. yeah so yeah like so transitioning from the weight loss a lot of people ask me you know am i a dietitian am i a trainer and i wasn't either i mm-hmm. just lost Weight my way. I did it like comfortably, and um, you know, I just embraced myself doing that whole process, and that's what I ultimately wanted people to learn. So, I had thought about a way to really help people and make people feel empowered. So, I started my company, K Brown Enterprise, mm-hmm. which is a company right now of athleisure apparel for primarily for women. And um, I think another factor and a component that added into it was the fact that I think you know with Instagram and. Definitely mainly with Instagram, it's like a certain way that women are supposed to be. Yes. And so women try to do these different diets that they mm-hmm. think are gonna make them the next best. The Instagram tummy tuck tea. Listen. Listen. And that's what I and I started the company based on the fundamental principles like you mm-hmm. know, individual individualism, comfortability and um freedom of expression. Right. Because that's what I think as a woman, and I'm a man, so I don't want to say this is how you should be as a woman, but I want to let women know it's okay to feel it this way, yes. to, you know, be yourself, be comfortable, and express yourself the way you're going to do it, because I don't care what diet you do, if you don't love yourself while you're doing it, then you're going to mm-hmm. gain that 25 pounds right back. Mm-hmm.
0: I have to say, so I was actually, it's funny how like, life and God works, because I was literally thinking, I need to find a black-owned workout brand. I love to work out. I actually just got into kickboxing. Like, I'm really big on trying new things, pushing my body to the limit, you know, stuff like that. And so I'm looking, and I see it was actually this black girl. Her hair was natural. She wasn't the tiniest thing. Like, she had curves. But you could tell that she worked out. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, ooh, what is she wearing? And then it led me to your business page. And I started scrolling, and I'm like, oh, this is it. This is definitely (laughs) it. I have to make a purchase. And then as I started to, like, scroll more and read, I saw something about how I believe the statistic was children with an incarcerated parent are six to seven times more likely to be incarcerated themselves. And so I'm like, okay, what is this about? Like, this doesn't really connect to – the workout page. And then I started to do a little more research about like really what you're about and what you really stand for and like how you support these like individual communities because like, you know, yeah, it's one thing to say, I'm really big at supporting the black community, but unfortunately because of the laws that are set up, a large population of the black community is incarcerated, has been incarcerated or is the child of someone who is or has been incarcerated. So Mm -hmm. how did you get to focusing on this particular aspect of our community and what really pushed you to like start to try to make a change
1: okay well first of all I just want to laugh at the fact that you said how to disconnect I <laughs> get that a lot sometimes like well, what does he do just because you know like I help the community right you know I, ha- I run a company and I just do a lot of other things So it's just so funny when you hit a what does he do thing even. but um <laughs> so it's going back to your question I, I, that's something like I'm I'm charged with that mm-hmm. uh, that's just it comes natural yeah, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a kid that was affected by mass incarceration. My mm-hmm. father was locked up. If you know his first time being locked up, I was six years old. So I visited my first prison at six years old. I visited a DC jail, my father was in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, And then, you know, he got locked up again when I was eight years old. But that time, he got locked up from the time I was eight till I was 21, 22. Oh, my, wow. You know, so what? was that third grade maybe until my senior year of college. Right. So, I was affected by it, you know. You know, my father missed my first real basketball game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though I played peewee when he was out, but, like, my first real game when I came to my, like, my first MVP season. Right. You know, missed my senior football. Like, things like that I'm not mad at. But, you know, I'm just affected by it. Right. So the fact that I was affected by it, I feel like it's my duty to help children after me and families after me deal with it, cope with that. And then not to mention, I have a mentor, Tony Lewis Jr., who's an expert, in the realm of mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he does. He's an expert. So I get to learn a lot of things that I didn't even know about mass incarceration like mm-hmm. traumas and you know different statistics through him because he is an expert. And maybe like a month or two ago I got to be I got to moderate a conversation that he partnered with the uh, Hennessy Privilege on and we really talked we really spoke about mass incarceration, the two-point reduction system mm-hmm. and um the fir- the first step back. So we got to really break all that down. So mm-hmm. I learned so much. I learned so much through Tony uh, uh, that I didn't know about mass incarceration because for a lot of the... For, for a big chunk of time, I was just able to talk on my experiences and my right. friends' experiences around me. Right. So, yeah, that's how I really got connected with the mass incarceration piece.
0: That's really, really awesome, honestly. And I think... So, I'm from Detroit, and I like I'm actually... I talked about this with the last person I interviewed. I'm actually from Detroit. Like, I'm not from the suburbs around. Like, I'm from the city. And, like, here, that's such... Like, I know that even in D.C., that's a big deal. Because one of my best friends is from D.C. And people will be like, oh, I'm from D.C. But they'll be from Hyattsville. She's like, nah, you're from Maryland. You're not from D.C. And so, you know. But, you know, unfortunately, with, like, cities like that, you do have a lot of people that are in and out of jail or whatever. So, I knew a couple people growing up who had a mom in jail or a dad in jail or a brother in jail. And you know, it, it, it kind of became like a, just like an accepted thing. Like nobody really thought about like, well, what do we do for them after they come out? What do we do for the kids who have to, like you said, visit their parent in jail at five, six, seven, eight, those years when like, you know, you don't want to see your parents like that. So I kind of see what you're doing as not only how do we help these parents after they get out, but what do we do for these kids that are missing out on really important milestones with their parents? Like, how do we step in and do something like that? Like, am I am I interpreting that correctly? Yep. Okay.
1: That's... Because, like you know, a big thing is for one, that's that's what large chunk of Tony work is. That's what his job mm-hmm. is to make sure. Um, he 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 works in reentry, so to make sure, um, you know, formally incarcerated individuals don't go back to jealousy job you know he develops programs right. he has classes and you know connects with jobs to make sure they don't go back mm-hmm. and then you know with children it's just you know a lot of the times mentoring programs and actually it's hard sometimes finding out who, who parents are incarcerated like some kids and some children don't in fact tell you like i didn't tell anybody mm-hmm. and i didn't tell a lot of people for the simple fact that i didn't want that as like a, a pity i didn't want that as a oh right. well, kenny's father locked up that's why kenny got in trouble today or, mm-hmm. and maybe sometimes I was affected, right, but my you know my ability to connect with that certain emotion wasn't mm-hmm. there, so I didn't even know I was affected, and then you know and I think in our communities, we don't focus on our emotions enough,
0: yes, I can agree, so
1: we don't even know the effects that certain things have on kids, and that's no knock to you know the adults that was around me, they just right. you know they honestly didn't know, and mm-hmm. I probably didn't know. And I, you know, I just, I know for a fact, though, I wore it on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know where I would be if I didn't wear that on my sleeve. For the simple fact that I wore it on my sleeve, that my father was incarcerated, you know, I got to graduate high school, mm-hmm. you know, doing the things that I accomplished in high school. I got to graduate college, you know, in and out the student body vice president. I got to go obtain a master's and become the, master, I'm the president of the higher education program. I got to start on. I have always worn that on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. And the, the other side of that, I don't know if I would be so involved with helping people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I wasn't a kid that had to go through certain things that I know I needed help and I didn't have that certain help. I don't know if I would be, you know, so out here in different communities, like just a little, another background, like, in Winston Salem, North Carolina, I had the first I had the first uh winter coat, uh, what I call it. uh keep Winston warm. Mm-hmm. I had keep Winston warm two years in a row. So I could, on one day on a Friday, I collect coats and blankets. And then after I collect them, it's not a drive, but it's mm-hmm. one day you bring coats and blankets. Both years I got over forty coats and blankets and That's I took awesome. it to the I took it, thank you. I took it to the strip where I know that uh homelessness was affected the most mm-hmm. in Winston Salem, which was downtown. And I, you know, I got like uh, organized three or four cars and then you know, we you pull up right there in the center of it all, and I, you know, tell everybody like, listen, it's not pity. I come from where I come from. Mm-hmm. It's just new coats. I know it's winter. I know it's cold. Like, get right. whatever. I don't care what you. It's no trading. Get whatever just, you want. Just take this coat and be warm. Just take yeah. it, yeah. And then we're not just passing it out. We're having real conversations in it. If right. you was on, and if you were one of the people that just wanted to come take pictures and everything like that, you didn't want to talk to. I'm like, don't come. Just give me your coat. Mm-hmm. And it's no disrespect, but we to, like show these people we're them we're connected. These are these essentially our family members. Yes. So I had that in North Carolina. And you know in DC, um, you know, a lot of my big homies essentially they do turkey drives, which mm-hmm. like I got real involved with turkey drives. Um saw so Ransom Miller, they do a turkey drive every year with, with, his, with his company. And um you know he he helps the city get over like thousands of turkeys every year. It's called Project Give Back. So I've been involved awesome. with assisting that which made me and two of my close friends, we started another event in D.C. called, uh, we call it Get on the Bus Clothes mm-hmm. and Uniform Drive. So every December we have a uniform and toy drive. We collect uniforms for homeless kids in D.C. And for some students who are not even homeless, but their parents can't afford uniforms. Yeah. So we collect uniforms for them in D.C. I think this year was the third year we did it. This year was the third year we collect toys. And we, don't, we also don't just tell parents to, like, you know, come. We mm-hmm. we collect the toys. Some parents can come, but other than that, we get addresses. We we pull them up in hoods. We pull them up in go. neighborhoods that's not even ours.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I mean, one time, me and Fran pull up, in, me and like my cousin Francis, we mm-hmm. pulled up in like one of the most. We we pulled up in like a, a notorious hood in D.C. Like you know, like ten people outside in front of the mm-hmm. building. It's December, and the girl who what? Is, she's from New York, so she don't really know. She pull up in a, a seven fifty bands behind us. Oh, we and oh Francis god. put our heads down like, oh my oh, god, <laughs> We're about to get robbed
2: we
0: have
1: all these toys it's
0: over. But nah, so it's, um, it's like girl just sit in the car just stay, yeah, right stay there. in the
1: car matter of fact you stop a block over yeah. but you know it was cool though like you know they respected that's what we were doing you know we yeah. even gave toys they they weren't a part of it but we gave them a lot of toys for this their kids mm-hmm. so we do that every year and then when I was in Miami for grad school I did a turkey drive myself um in little Haiti and I gave out over what like 150 200 turkey something like that that's so and, like dope. over that um a lot of canned food so just being connected through through my own hardships, just you know, motivate me to help others, and all, you know, something I'll forever do. Mm-hmm. And then just bring this whole conversation full circle, how my company connects to to you know giving back. Right. I feel like my, the first opportunity I seen for my company to give back was March. So I have a woman. I don't see how you you're a company and you support women or you have a product for women, you don't mm-hmm. give back to women, right? Yeah. So my preach. so in March in March I had a it was you know it was Women's History Month. So I partner with the organization in D.C. And ironically, the organization is called The Wire. But ironically, they serve women who were formerly incarcerated and women who are currently incarcerated. Okay. So, you know, for women who were formerly incarcerated, they have, they give them interview clothes. They support them through groups of, you know, they have interview support groups. Mm. They have life support groups. They have, just, you know, just a whole adjustment to reentry, period. And then for women who are still incarcerated, man, they, they pay for this. They pay for their kids to go see mm. them. Like, you know how big that is for me? Like, yeah. my father, he moved to South Carolina and, you know, he was started off in Pennsylvania. So, like, trips just, you know, when you're further, you just can't yeah. see your parent as much, period, especially when you come from where we come from, and can't really afford it. Right. So, you know, when I heard that they paid for kids, like, this little boy, his mom locked up in Texas, they paid for him to go to Texas. So, I was like, it's no question that our first, you know, uh, philanthropic opportunity wasn't going to the wire. So, I probably with right. the wire and, like, $5 from every sale, from kb in the month of, month of march went to the wire and um after march i got to present them When well april i got to present them with a check um you know it was big so that's, so that's just my connection to it all
0: that's so so cool and you know hearing you talk about how i don't remember exactly how you worded it but basically you said because of what i've been through because of me wearing my heart on my sleeve that if I didn't do those things, if I didn't like you know pull from that, I wouldn't really be where I am today. I wouldn't have graduated high school. I wouldn't have done this in college. I wouldn't have done all these things. And I think that as a black man, it's so important that you say that because you're right. As our community, we don't really talk about our emotions like that. Especially like nobody wants to hear black men talk about what they've been through. Nobody wants to hear that stuff. But then it's like, don't, don't dare think about bringing in mental illness into it. Don't dare talk about how some of the stuff our parents went through affects us. So I like that you said that without even trying to make it a big deal. It was just like, this is what affected me. This is what I did to try to combat it. And now because I got through it, I'm trying to help other people do this. That is so dope because to me, that just shows that you have such a deep understanding of yourself and just like the environments you were in and how they impacted you. Because a lot of people, you know, we come from these different environments and we realize far too late, how they've affected the way we go about things. So I think that's really, really cool. Because you seem like you're a pretty young dude. So I seem, I think that's awesome that
1: Yeah, I'm 25.
0: Oh, okay. I see only a year older than me. Yeah, so it's awesome to me that where you are right now as a 25-year-old man, that you're able to understand and connect to that and use that to help countless people. I think that is so awesome. Congratulations to you and just so much respect to you for that.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yes. So my next question do you feel that you would have made, and let, let, before I even say this question, this is not a dig at predominantly white institutions because people will forever take it that way. Oh, but yeah, for you, sure. Do, but do you think that you would have made such an impact if you had gone to a predominantly white institution versus hmm. attending an HBCU?
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I talk about this all the time. I might even speak about this with my students. I, I work in college access now. Okay. Um, I'm a current college coordinator for district public school system. So it's funny. I talk about this all the time. And honestly, you know, none of us can b- predict the future. Right. And I, I don't ever want to say no, like, you know, and I'm down in myself. But, like, you know, I'm a big Jay-Z fan. And I don't yeah. even want to sound cocky this. But Jay-Z said in the song, like, oh, I'm not scared to fail. I do everything well. <laughs> he said, you know, I'm yeah. not scared to fail. I do everything well. So I feel like if I went to a PWI, I mean, I still would have made a big impact. I'm me at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm just me to happen to go. I mean, Washington State was amazing for me. Right, like, really developed me as a leader. Uh, you know, really empowered me as a leader. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, you the, the, the denominator was me, right? So I don't want to say no. I wouldn't have made the impact at a, uh, at a PWI, mm-hmm. but I know how po- important the HBCUs focus on the matriculation of oneself, if you allow them to. Right. I've seen this story so many times. I've seen a guy come, a guy or a young lady come from whatever they come from, whether it's the country, whether it's the city, mm-hmm. whether it's the suburbs. I've seen that kid come to college, and that kid leave a totally different person. Completely for the different, yes. Exactly, like, you know, and I've seen that so many times. So I'm, I'm definitely pro-HBCU. But just to answer a specific question, I can't say that right. I wouldn't have made my impact. You know who's to tell? Because I I often tell people at the end of the day, because you know PWIs also have a different budget than I at HBCU. So who's yes. to tell me if you gave Kenny Brown a two million dollar budget, then he wouldn't have came out with everybody. Kenny talking. Brown
0: would turn that school upside down. I'm, frankly, I'm saying, <laughs> yeah.
1: So that's my only thing. Like you know, HBC, I was really working with like. Hundred fifty thousand dollar budget mm-hmm. sometimes, or sometimes a ten thousand dollar budget, whatever. But whatever certain organization I was dealing with, I dealt with a small budget. Who would it say like at a PWI, like I wouldn't have uh, took that million dollar or five hundred thousand dollar budget and right. really made something shake on a different level. So I really can't answer that one.
0: Like, I like the way you answered that because I had this conversation with one of my friends. So I actually started the PWI and transferred to Hampton, and so I feel with, with PWI. Like I went to University of Cincinnati okay Cincinnati. Cool. yeah it was, it was it was it was an experience all right <laughs> and it, I tell people all the time it's like I don't have any like personal beef against a black person that goes to a PWI I just know me myself I was not gonna flourish there I did not flourish there in fact I just kept going backwards like I, I was not you know growing into the person that I knew I could be and I'm telling you, as soon as I stepped foot on Hampton's campus, I was like, oh, this is it. This is where I need yeah, to this be. This for me. It's your home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so a reason I ask is because, you know, I have, I do have that dual perspective. I, I know what it's like to have a teacher that looks nothing like you and mm-hmm. can't pronounce your name versus the teacher that will pull you aside and be like, "Miss Thomas, you've you been late to my class three times. What's going
2: on? Oh, yeah, you know?
0: Real. And so I asked that to say like, you know, I guess let me reword the question, but phenomenal answer. Do you think that the community at an HBCU pushed you further? Or, like, with, like, you know, obviously not knowing the full answer because you didn't go to a PWI, but do you feel like the community of people that wanted to see you succeed, professors that knew you by name, like, do you feel like that kind of pushed you a little harder?
1: For sure, that definitely pushed me at winston uh you know i i've had a lot of professors that uh that really checked me mm-hmm. at times i needed to be checked right or that really that really challenged my way of thinking okay you know i might have thought one way and you know they told me you know they might have thought another and we had a healthy conversation mm-hmm. you know to find that meeting right? right but um i definitely yeah that community definitely pushed me and not only the community of teachers but i've also had a community of great you know faculty members at winston Mm -hmm. you know like staff especially in like you know the student the the student activity side you know like when i was a freshman i was a 17 year old kid you know coming from bc and there was this lady named shalee broussard she pulled me and two of my friends aside was like you know what i'm gonna grab y'all early because y'all really gonna be great here this is what we do we don't come in just to go to college we come Mm in to get involved we come in to get active right she introduced us to a couple older people and you know, it actually inspired us three to run for SGA. Like, you know, uh me and two of my friends, like, we all ran for president, vice president, and uh uh, uh miss freshman of the freshman class mm-hmm. because of that conversation with Shalique. She even said, you know what? I'm going to show y'all what it's really like. That whole freshman year, we didn't pay for a single ticket. Oh, um, wow. I remember I thought I was going to have to pay for homecoming tickets, so I bought a package kind of early. Mm-hmm. And Shalique came doing blessings with free tickets. So, you know, what I that's I, did. Awesome. I sold it. Well, So you sold, I sold, sold, them to- so- sold the tickets so fast. <laughs> But it's just bringing in, pulling us in like that. And then, yeah. like, you know, as I grew older, in college, um, you know, I've definitely met a lot more people who supported me. But, like, my senior, I had a lady named Miss Heather Davis who, mm-hmm. like, I, I just wrote this on Instagram the other day. I've I never really said second mom or other mom or stuff mm-hmm. like that just because, like, I feel like my mother is so amazing. But right. I had, like, just women who support you mm-hmm. and, like, that, like, and love you like a mother would love you man listen Heather it Davis did that my, Heather yeah. Davis did that to me my senior year she was our SGA advisor was also the director of student activities um you know her and I had a lot of healthy conversations about like you know how I thought about certain things how she thought mm-hmm. about certain things and you know she was really 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 instrumental to my growth and like transferring from like you know that college kid to adulthood mm-hmm. and, I, and she's crazy she's from Detroit too oh so. uh-huh. you know i know all about the what up though and all that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um you know so just that level of support right outside of just you know just your professors the support you have from everybody who worked because you know a lot of people who that who work at the hbcus they mm-hmm. went to HBCUs, so they know how yeah. instrumental and vital it is so i believe in that because you know I a lot that. of That's that's what i believe in, that's what i sell to everybody who talk, you know, speak about the you know HBCU yeah. versus PWI perspective. And then my last point, I have a great friend of mine, like you know, you know the relationships we build with professors at HBCUs, right? Right. I have I have a couple friends of mine who go like who attend the PWIs. And again, I'm not you know against PWIs, but right some of them can't even like email a professor and ask them for like anything because they don't know the professors as yeah. much as we do. Right. So when it comes times for like, you know, letters of recs and things like that, like the yeah. professors don't know you by name.
2: Yeah. You
1: know, that, and that's important.
0: Yeah, it is. And like, you know, and like I said, again, because I feel like it always comes up, you know, um, you're bashing. Like, no, nah, because, you know, at the end of the day, if you eat, we all eat. I want you to get your degree. I don't care where you get it. I just I want you to get your degree. I'm proud of you for getting your degree. But as somebody who went through both, just me personally, I couldn't have gotten my degree there and been the person I am today. Yeah. Because like so my senior year, literally a week before finals. Not even a week, honestly, like four days, like it happened on the Thursday, something real traumatic happened to me. And I spent the weekend in the hospital. And then somebody who was like my mother, she took me to her house out in Virginia Beach. And she was like, just relax. She was like, please don't think about anything. And then I had to go take my finals that Monday. And so I emailed one of my professors. He was my first final. And I let him know what happened. He was like, you literally take all the time you need. He was like, just let me know what day. He was like, I'm going to make sure your final grade gets in and you going to get out of here. You're going to graduate. Mm-hmm. But I just, knowing the relationship I had with my professors at my old school, there was a huge part of me that was like, would I have gotten this extension? Like, would they have cared enough for me to really do that for me? And maybe they would have, or maybe they wouldn't have, but I just know that that professor, he really... I it was my history class. I loved him. Professor Watson, I love that man, because mm-hmm. he really just, he poured into me, and he entertained the questions I had that weren't exactly on topic, but, like, somehow found a way to circle back. But, I mean, it, you're right. It's that the way they pour into you, it just kind of pushes you and inspires you to really just do more for your community. Yeah. yeah. So, do you feel like, um, well, not even do you feel like, but when it came to the coat drive and you know these turkey drives and things like that how do you well obviously with Winston salem you know it's there you know let's keep winston warm but for a lot of these other projects and community you know inspiring events that you've been a part of did you just kind of pick a place or was it purely just do something for these people
1: um all right so i guess the only situation i've been in like that was when i lived in miami because you know like in winston that was my school i was in the the community i was a part i was in their community so i felt like i had to help them right and in dc like i said you know ransom miller does it every year and i do it with uh, my mentors tony and silas we all do it in the specific neighborhoods that we represent but in miami was the first place i've I've been in that i didn't even uh you know i was there but i wasn't really attached to that community so i had to pick community and um you know i had to Miami is a really interesting place because mm-hmm. you have a lot of people who go there, not for one, they don't even speak English when their families move there. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of kids who are like first generation English right. speaking, you know, people in the household. So, um, you know, I, and I'm also, I'm always like, eh, I got to help our people. So mm-hmm. there was, you know, it was either Liberty City or Little Haiti that I was really going to do it, there, honestly.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um I had a connection to host it at a school in Little Haiti. And uh, that's what honestly got me there. Like I knew I was going to seek out to do it in Liberty City or Li- or Little Haiti because that's you know mm-hmm. two of the most poverty stricken you know violent crime areas yeah. in Miami. So um, that's why I chose that's why I chose uh, Little Haiti. And um, you know it was Thanksgiving, and I know the families ain't you know didn't really have the means mm-hmm. to really provide for like a full. Meal. Thanksgiving, yeah, full Thanksgiving meal. Because their families are, like, large. I'm not saying they couldn't right. afford a turkey or couldn't afford but you know, like, uh, non-personal, but 12, extra because 12, you have, like, 13 you got 12, 13 in your family. So, yes. Yeah. It's... So, yeah, and that's how I honestly chose that community in Miami. Because, you know, that's... at the end of the day, I'm going to help us.
0: Right. Yeah. That's dope. And I like that you're unapologetic about it. You know, yeah, it's nothing wrong with, you know, helping other people, but we got to be the forefront of our own minds like we have to be intentional about it that's kind of why I started this little platform of mine because I it was it was really the Gucci thing like I can't afford Gucci I'm not even at the front like I could afford Gucci but it was the blatant disrespect that had me like well if I could afford it why would I shop there, you know, and it was like, let me start putting emphasis on people that one on their own business have black owned products that are good quality and two, let me talk about them. Let me get to know these people because, you know, these big YouTube channels, when you see people talking about different brands and going on these sponsor trips, like you get an idea or you get the idea that the brand wants you to have of the owner or the brand and everything. And I'm like, well, why not do that for us? You know, mm-hmm. it makes it easier for me when my favorite YouTuber is Jackie Aina. It makes it easier for, I don't know if you, I don't know if your girlfriend maybe knows who she is, but she's phenomenal. I love her. She's this Nigerian woman who just came to do what she had to do. End of story.
1: But yeah, What's um, her name? I'm going to check her out. What?
0: Jackie Aina. Her last name Jackie is Ina. A-I-N-A. She I'm going to branch for a quick second. If you don't know who Jackie Ina is, she is this, she's like an OG YouTuber. Like, she got on YouTube back before YouTube was really a thing, back before you could even make money from YouTube. And her platform from the beginning has been inclusivity in the makeup industry. She's a dark-skinned Nigerian woman. She's Nigerian-American. I believe she's first generation. I want to say her parents are from Nigeria. But she has made it her pl- her mission from the beginning to... Make these brands accountable and hold them hold them accountable for the fact that two, two shades of light brown does not cater to the millions of brown and black women that want to wear makeup too. White women do not only wear makeup. And, she, and it's interesting because with her being as dark as she is, she campaigns for lighter shades as well. She was like, not everybody is in this smooth olive complexion. Like, mm-hmm. you have to cater to all of us. Mm-hmm. And she's like it's just awesome seeing how big she's become, and i'm I will support her until the end of time because she's somebody that''s just so genuine and humble and like does random little things for her community, and she kind of inspired me to do this because I'm like, yo, like I don't have to have three million followers I'm content with like you know I think I have like a hundred and 60s i'm content with that because that's 160 people that have the opportunity to listen to my podcast have the opportunity to jump in on my instagram page and see the like awesome people like that i'm talking about and everything and it's just important to i think use what little platform you have to uplift your community and so that's really why i look for people that aren't you know super 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 big because you know yeah you have a following yeah you do a lot but you know you're not like michael b jordan status and that's cool because i feel like sometimes when you have these smaller pockets of influence you can reach more people because it's more of a genuine connection not to say that if you did have his status you know it wouldn't be genuine but you It's kind of more of an organic Build and you get to build deeper Relationships I feel like once When you have a smaller um, Platform and then you grow from there I mean why else would you Go specifically to your community In DC you could have gone Really anywhere and just picked a central location But you're like no I'm from here I know these streets I'm about to go Put back specifically into my You know my streets of DC Like I think that is just so Crucial you know
1: Yep, exactly. You hit him on the head.
0: Yeah, there you go. Nail on the head. Ding. But,
1: um... <laughs> <laughs> Ding.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, what's next for you? You know, you have this awesome brand that's really taking off. I actually just got paid, so I'm making a purchase later. So, cool,
1: cool. Yes. good news right there.
0: Yes, there you go. So, what's next? Like, you know, are you, do you plan on partnering with another organization? Do you have any drives coming up that I, I can support? Like, what's next for you?
1: What's next? Uh-huh. What's next? That's always a good question. But, you know, <laughs> right now I'm just in the in the business of, like, I'm just trying to build KB. Yeah. Um, I've been really focusing on building KB. I have a lot of friends. I'm helping them, you know, with their own ventures. But I'm just, I'm enjoying the process of building KB, honestly. Right. Um, you know, it's a woman's line. But, you know, I, I got I have a lot of men who always hit me like, man, how, how are we not going to be a way of things? So yeah. I'm looking into a line KB for men. There you go. Um, honestly, money. I got a goal with KB. When you look at uh, when you look at different figures who own mm-hmm. athleisure lines, mm-hmm. you know Nike, Phil Knight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, we you know what complexion Phil Knight is. Yeah, Phil Knight is That's white. That's
0: literally the first thing that popped in
2: my head.
1: So <laughs> Nike's white, and we love Nike, and I don't have no problem with Nike. Like right. in high school, we used to call ourselves "so Nike." Like my uh, you know, so. And then you have Adidas. Mm-hmm. His name is, you know, Adi Dazzler from Germany.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that was his name.
1: <laughs> from germ From but, Germany, interesting. And he's white. Yeah. And you know, Puma, the direct, the owner of Puma, mm-hmm. it's his brother. Hmm. They're I brothers, so that. they're both the same complexion, right? Um, and then you have Under Armour.
0: I know he's white because if I remember yeah. correctly, he supports Trump. If I remember correctly, Kevin Plank. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So he's white, and again, I'm, I'm no disrespect to these people, mm-hmm. but I feel like we should have something that we wear growing up, playing, mm-hmm. We all yes. grow up playing sports. Yes, we all like. No matter if you continue it after the age of ten, we've all played a sport at least one before the age of ten. Everybody and was we wore a Nike. Yeah, Everybody we a Nike was in Nike shirt, soccer. Adidas yeah. shirt, or not, Something. Mm-hmm. Right? I feel like we should have something that's ours. Yeah, and that's my goal with KB. You know, in the next 15, 10 to fifteen years, when that little boy playing his first peewee football game that he take you know he goes to the store mm-hmm. and asks his mother can we get some kb cleats or yeah. you know can i have a kb unarm oh, no, shirt or i shouldn't even call it anonymous oh, shirt yeah. can i have a kb draft shirt right yeah that's, and that's my goal like that's my and i see myself there and um i have a good friend hannah but we talk about you know seeing things through all the time and the law mm-hmm. of attraction and just putting yourself in the right space for you know take advantage of opportunity so that's my biggest you know focus right now and of course continue helping my community in every way I can help it. Um right now I don't know if we have any particular drives going on per se, but mm-hmm. when I do, I'll definitely keep you updated. Please do. Yeah, yeah. KB definitely and KB's also you can also just, you know, continue to follow the brand I know I'm all I'm looking to partner with a different organization that serves mm-hmm. people like, you know, every every couple months or so. So right. definitely KB will definitely continue to support initiatives across the world.
0: Well if you come to Detroit a meal is on me we have this thing so I know you've been to New York we have this thing called Coney Island right and it's Coney not Island. like the amusement park. It's literally the weirdest mishmash. It's like Greek food with American food with breakfast served all day. Oh, but you, yeah. Yeah. It's, I love, it's like it's literally a Detroit thing. Like, I don't know who decided to do this and why we love it so much, but it's like, we love Coney Island. So if you, when you come to Detroit, because I'm going to speak it and you have this awesome project and this awesome thing that's going to impact my community, I'm going to be there, but then I'm going to take you to Coney Island and it's going to be great
1: for well, sure That'd i'm gonna definitely come to detroit oh go. and just to add before we finish this interview a big thing i do with kb and i take pride in this mm-hmm. that we allow everyone that own kb mm-hmm. that owns kb to be a model for Sweet. kb like you I know, like so we, we pull up in different cities or we, we we accept you know photos that you know great quality photos that mm-hmm. you take in kb and we'll post them on our page or we'll pull up in your city and we'll you know connect with our own photographer and our own videographer and yeah. you know, make videos and you know take real photos of you in KB. So, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna pull up to Detroit, you know, you get a couple ladies together okay. and we're going, you know, do a photo shoot and then we're gonna eat some Coney Island.
0: There you go. And see, I'm telling you, I love it because like I've literally I played, I started playing basketball when I was three. From the time I was three till I was 18, I played basketball, but in between that, I ran track, I played volleyball, I played tennis, I swam. What else did I do? I did I played a little bit of soccer. Soccer I was not good at that. We let the go of that very quickly. But (laughs) I did a lot. And I and I connect to what you're saying of the, you know, you had the Nike. All my basketball shoes were Nike. Every single pair, they was fresh. They were cool as all get out. But it was like they were Nike, and like you know, at the time that was really the only option I had because my my mom does not like Michael Jordan, so I wasn't getting no Jordans to play with. Oh yeah, y'all from Detroit,
1: y'all probably hate yeah, Jordan exactly.
0: Yeah, and then like my mom, <laughs> my mom feels, and like this is a quick sub, you know, quick slide off the side. But My mom also feels like he was one of like the first big, um, like black. Players that like little kids connected With and she was like I Personally feel like he could be doing more for his community Why are his shoes this much money and you got kids Dying over him so she doesn't like him because Of that and now that I'm older I do get It you know so I like that You're like by the time I have Kids dang straight my kids Gonna be rocking some KB cleats when they go Hopefully they're good at soccer better than their mom but like They'll be playing soccer in some KB Cleats my girls will be wearing like some KB Jerseys like that's what I want I Want to be able to like help water the seed that you have planted so that by the time you know it is 15 years from now 20 years from now you do have little kids running around like oh kb just dropped you know and i whatever. can be
1: him and i yeah. can be him and that's my main goal yes for well, you to wear this and you can look you can you know you know every year in school in grade school you have to do projects on people and mm-hmm. you you do the project on me and you realize i can be him
0: right i can he do grew that. up with a
1: single mother just like mm-hmm. me you know, he grew mm-hmm. up playing sports like me, like everything. Yep. I can be him, and he looks like me.
0: Yes, that's, that's my the goal. Biggest thing, he looks like me. Somebody I interviewed a couple weeks ago. He, um, he's he's so dope. He's from Detroit, but he writes comics, and all most of his characters, I to say, all of them, yeah, most if not all of them, are black. And there was one particular character that I'm telling you, if I was a little more confident in high school, we would have been the same person. Like, I connected to her so deeply. And it's so crucial that we have more representation in our community. When I was a kid, you could not convince me. Otherwise, I was going to be Venus or Serena. Because they were the only people, only black women I saw that had actual status with playing tennis. I loved yeah. tennis. You know, gra- basketball was a sport I eventually chose to go too but that was because of lisa leslie i loved Mm -hmm. her she was dope she was so cool and so i never see an issue with little brown or black kids talking about well i want to be like jordan i want to be like brown i want to be like i want to be like because that means that that representation is there that means that they see somebody that is doing great things and they can identify with the fact well he dribbles the ball i dribble the ball if he did it i can do it Okay, yep. that's dope. And as a kid, it's important to have that confidence in yourself. And it's even, it's cooler to have that confidence when that person looks like you and is literally the same complexion as you. Or as you said, grew up the same way as you. Like, it makes it so much more, it feels like it's so much more achievable when those connections are there. You yep. know? Yes. So, that's that's really what it is. I'm very excited to see, um, where you go from here. I'm super, super excited. I, I will definitely. You. Yes. No, by all means. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on and just sharing a little bit about yourself and just, you know, opening up and telling me more about KB enterprises and just who Kenny Brown is. I appreciate that.
1: I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yes. So I'm about to literally jump on my laptop and go check out the website and see what I can get. Gotta be fresh in my next kickboxing class, you know, you know. Definitely but, gotta be um, <laughs> fresh in the next
1: kickboxing
2: class. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, but um, just thank you. I really am so appreciative. I'm appreciative of everybody that comes on, but just I want to make sure to personally thank each and every person that sat down on an early Saturday morning with me to talk about their brand or what they do for their community and everything. So, yes.
1: Okay, well, money. enjoy your weekend.
0: I plan on it. Thank you. I'll be you. connecting
1: thank soon. I'll be in Detroit soon.
0: All right, dope. Let me know. I am only a DM away. Let me know. (laughs) All right. Have a great day. Um, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, I really hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Next week, I will be sitting down with the owner of another brand. I'm going to keep it a secret. But her brand is really, really awesome. So just stay tuned. And thanks again for listening. Bye, everybody.